We love y'all so much. Um, if Jose Riesco can please bring it up, he's gonna give us a testimony this morning. We like to start our service. Let's give him a hand. Amen. Um, just quick testimony about something that, that God spoke to me in worship when I, I was literally right here, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, and God spoke to me something that, man, it touched my heart. Like someone can tell you something, you can read it in the Bible sometimes, but when you hear God speaking to you, it's like, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. And it was this simple. I was literally right here. I'm going to play it out for you guys. I was worshiping right here. I don't know if you were there, bro. But <laughs> I was worshiping right here. Maybe Rudy was there. And the God spoke to me. He said, I worked everything out for your good. And I said, oh, my goodness. I could not hold back the tears. I was weeping. I was broken. I said, thank you, Jesus. You worked everything out for my good. The Lord worked everything. All my years of sin, he's worked it out for my good. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? God worked everything out for my good. And when he spoke that, I was so encouraged, man. I was, I felt like a baby weeping in my father's hands, my father's arms. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And I started thinking this morning, there's no one like our God. There's no one like him. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like our God. And here's the, here's the verse. Here's the verse for you guys. Man, it was, I mean, it was wild. And he says this. This is Romans 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen. I want to pray for everybody really quick. All right. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you work everything out for the good of those who love you and are called to your purpose. I pray that that word would be true for everybody here. Your word is true. I pray that everyone would believe your word. Have your way in the service and the worship in Jesus' name. Amen. morning Woo! I feel I just feel some energy up here man the Holy Ghost is here this is what the Bible declares in Psalm 47 clap your hands all you nations shout to God with cries of joy for the Lord most high is awesome great king over all the earth. Isn't that awesome? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for that commandment to clap our hands and to shout unto God with a voice of joy, with a voice of triumph. Here are your people. Here we are, God. And we will do what you've commanded us to do.
Jesus, we exalt your mighty name right now in this place. You are holy and righteous. You are the king of over all the earth, God. We love you. How many love Jesus in this place? How many love Jesus? We exalt your mighty name. For the Lord is good, his mercy. For the Lord is good and his mercy. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. We're just going to lift up the Holy Spirit right now. Did you guys that know that the Holy Spirit is a person? He is the third person of the Trinity. So just lift up your hands right now. You know you can worship the Holy Spirit. You can worship Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, we worship you. We worship you. Worship you, Holy Spirit. We worship you, Holy Spirit. We lift you, Holy Spirit. We worship you, Holy Spirit. We praise you, we praise you. worship a strong God, a mighty God. As our brother Jason leads this song, I want us to go all out for God today. Worship Him with all your spirit, all your might, all your strength, and all your heart. Hallelujah. Father to the fatherless, Defender of the weak, freedom to the prisoners we sing. This is God in His holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. Sing out, lift your voice and cry out awesome is our strong god mighty is our god sing out lift your voice and cry out awesome is our strong god mighty is our god 
With us in the wilderness, you're faithful to provide Every breath and every step we see This is God in His holy place Oh, this is God clothed in love and strength Sing out, lift your voice and cry out Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God oh, Sing out, raise your hands and shout out
near the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Chicago will bow. Chicago will bow to that authority. Chicago will bow to your power, to your greatness. Chicago will bow to your strength. Come on, church. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray with brokenness in our hearts for this city to know the greatness of God to know the beauty of our majesty in this place. 
believe that the Lord has a word for his congregation, for his people. If there's a, bur- if there's a word burning in you, now is the time to prophesy. If you're broken, if you need newness of life, if you need salvation, now is the time. Come. Out of your seats. Out of your seats. I see one brother. Come on. Is there more? Elders, deacons, come. Gather around those that are coming up in the altar. There's newness for you. There is newness for you. There is newness for you. I'm not ashamed of you, says the Lord. I loved you before you even existed on this earth. I'm not ashamed of you, says the Lord. You, my brother, I'm not ashamed of you, says the Lord. I've called you for a purpose. Yes, you, I've called you. Yes, you, 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 yes, you. You are my beloved one, says the Lord. Come on, just lift up your hands right now. That word is for you too. And sing out and cry. Awesome. strengthen his people this morning I feel like the Lord wants us to be sure of our salvation he wants us to be sure that he has saved us that he loves us that we are forgiven of all our sins 
that we are called, those of us that are in Christ. Father, in Jesus' name. And as I pray, everybody, just lift up things you're going through. There's some new believers here. There's, there's people that have been walking with the Lord, but you're going through trials. Just, just pray in your own heart. Lift up those things that are obstacles in your life right now, those trials. Lift up those things to the Lord Jesus that you feel may disqualify you from being a Christian or serving him. Have you sinned? You need to repent, repent, and, and be forgiven. Any, anything in your life that feels like that's keeping you from God. I can't serve God as long as this is happening. I can't serve God because I've been doing this. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. And having the mind of Christ, we can think the thoughts of Christ. And when we allow these things to discourage us and weigh us down and feel hopeless and feel like, where are you, God? It's because we're just thinking in our flesh. We're just thinking the, the way we've always known how to think, the way we've always known how to react. But I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, give us the mind of Christ. Let us think the thoughts of Christ. Now, how do we put this into practice? I want to challenge us right now. Take those burdens, take those sins, take those trials you're going through, whatever it is, however personal it is, and think Christ's thoughts about them. Because the Word of God has a lot to say. It says that we are more than overcomers through our faith, that we have overcome the world. You might not feel like an overcomer, but the Bible says that those who put their trust in Jesus Christ overcome everything, and that we are more than conquerors, and that nothing in in, in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. We have to believe that this morning. Submit it to the thoughts of Christ. Have you been sinning and you feel like, I can't be a Christian, I can't serve the Lord, I can't be free? Well, the Word of God and the mind of Christ says this morning that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us of all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Do you believe that the blood of Jesus is enough to cleanse your conscience? Do you believe that the, what the Bible says, that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation? Phil, take, take those thoughts captive. Whatever, oh, I can't be a Christian. I can't make it. I can't do this. Take it captive now. We serve a mighty God. We serve a God who brings deliverance. We serve a God who makes all things new. We serve a God who gave up his son for us. And will he not, along with his son, give us all other things? Lord God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We lift up our thoughts to you. Come on. We lift up our mind to you and we exchange it for the mind of Jesus Christ. Fill our hearts with the word of God. Fill our thoughts with the thoughts of Jesus Christ. Let us get your heavenly perspective. Let's get your vision on the situation at hand. Lord, we love you. We believe in your word this morning. We have faith this morning that everything you said in your word is true. If we could begin to sing that, uh, cry out the, the chorus, awesome is our strong God, and believe that. 
and apply the words of that song. Awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God to save us from our sin, to bring us through our trials. And by his might, we overcome the world. Awesome is our strong God. Sing it with the heart of faith. God, I pray everyone believes that this morning. Lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God. Sing out. Lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God. Mighty is our God. There is no higher, no. There is no greater, no.
and you love us and you gave your son for us to prove it. You gave us the Holy Ghost so we have evidence of it in our daily lives. Thank you, Lord. And every, uh, we just praise God in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Amen. You find your seats. Everybody find your seats. Thank you. Good morning, Metro Praise International. It's great to see everybody. Uh, my name is Pastor Jared. I work here at the church, and uh, I love, it's, it's my joy and privilege and honor to work here and to serve you all. Uh, this morning, we're going to do communion, and uh, if we could get the ushers, go ahead and start passing those out, and don't forget me. Sometimes they forget me, of all people, when they're giving out communion. I, I, I need it, too. Uh, it's just good to see everybody. I'm going to explain what this is all about. How many have ever taken communion before? Have you done it in a church like this before? Uh, how about in, like, Catholic church? Okay. I want to give us a quick understanding of what communion is, and I want to use that as an opportunity to preach the good news to you. If we could get that scripture up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. This is a passage that's all about communion. The Apostle Paul is teaching a church on how to do communion and how not to do communion. And this is how we do communion. It says... For whenever you eat this bread, and for us as a wafer, and whenever you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now quickly, what's another word for proclaim? It's preach. It's preach. And the Greek word actually reflects that. We preach the Lord's death until he comes when we take communion. Because this bread or this wafer, if you could hold that in your hand, this represents the body of Jesus. And anybody who's seen the passion of the Christ automatically knows his body was beaten and broken, punched, spat upon, and he gave his body for us. This is a representation of that body. The cup containing for us grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. Jesus bled profusely at the cross from the whippings he received, from the nails through his hands and feet, from the spear that was thrust into his side. And before his death even, he said it was, a, it was for a covenant between God and mankind that through his blood, men and women would be cleansed of their sins so they could have a relationship with God. And as we take communion, it is like the past, the present, and the future all in one. Let me explain that. We are presently taking these elements, the wafer and the cup, that represent a past event. 38, 33 AD, Jesus of Nazareth crucified outside of Jerusalem. This is a historical fact. And he wasn't just a criminal being executed for wrong he'd done. And he wasn't even a good man just dying for a cause. But he was the God-man. He was God in the flesh. 
He came from heaven to earth on a rescue mission to save us. And the only way to do it was to lay his life down for us. We recognize that historical event. We preach his death as we take communion. And we do so with the expectation of a future event. We preach his death until he comes. Everyone say that. Until he comes. And we don't know. That could be today. That could be tomorrow. All I know is one way or another, we're going to meet Jesus. And he is coming. And just as surely as he came those 2,000 years ago as a humble servant and laid his life down, he is coming back in the future as a conquering king. And that day will be a day of wrath and a day of redemption. It will be a day when, when Jesus comes, as the book of Revelation tells us, with a sword to destroy the enemies of God. And listen, my friend, if you choose to live in sin, if you choose to love sin, to do evil, to take the life and the gifts and the resources God gave you, say, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. And throw God's commands out the window and, and all that and don't appreciate the Lord. You are an enemy of God. The sword is for you. It's a day of wrath. But it's also a day of redemption for those who are in Christ, for those who are trusting in Him now, for those who are waiting for Him, for those who are not loving the world and its ways, but loving Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving their neighbor as their self. And I want to stress, just as surely as He came the first time, He promised He's coming back. So we link the past, the present, and the future right here in these elements of communion. I want to advise you, Christians, feel free to take this. This blood is for you. Amen? Feel free knowing your sins are forgiven, knowing your walk with God is right. But if you're not sure of your standing with the Lord today, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, or you are what we call a nominal believer, you're a Christian in name only, but you don't live any different than the rest of the world. You might be sleeping with someone you're not married to. You might be uh, just cussing like a sailor, and yet you say you're a Christian, whatever. I want to advise you. You can take this, but get your heart right first. And if you don't want to repent, just pray in your heart. Say, Jesus, I believe you came the first time. I believe you're coming again. God, have mercy on me. Jesus, I'm going to live for you. There's no one else beside you. I don't want to do my life my way anymore. I want to do life your way. I, I recognize these things I've been doing. They're sin, and you died for my sin to set me free from it. I shouldn't live as a slave any longer. You could pray something like that in your heart. And God promised to cleanse your heart and make you a new man or a new woman. But I would do that first and foremost because the Bible warns about taking communion just to be religious. Just because you got handed a cup or something like that. And a wafer. So we want to take this together. This is the body of Jesus broken for you. Thank you, Lord. This is the blood of Jesus 
shed for you to bring you into a covenant love relationship with God. Thank you, Lord, for giving your son. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for his death on the cross. We do this with expectation that you're coming. And we await redemption and complete salvation. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. We want to say this together to represent our worldview as believers in Jesus. This is our confession of faith. Everybody at the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and His death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who abides in me and makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and eternal punishment for unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind and it is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone and for the glory of God alone. Amen. And I just want to say quickly, if you made a decision to trust in Jesus, we have prayer workers, pastors, Berto and Griselda, to guide you into that. But go and meet somebody new. We're going to just fellowship for a minute. Go shake somebody's hand you haven't met yet. As distant hearts begin believing, redemption's bid is
Amen. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Come on. It is good to see all of your beautiful faces. Welcome to Metro Praise International. I have seen so many new faces today. We want to welcome all of our first-time visitors. On behalf of the pastors and the staff leaders here, we thank you for joining us at MPI to worship the Lord this morning. And we want to encourage you to get plugged in and to keep on coming because we are here to help you have a strong walk with the Lord. So welcome again to MPI. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And on Fridays, we have Elevate every week at 7 p.m. for 11 to 18 years old. That is our youth group, and they are rocking it out for Jesus. We want to give you guys some announcements. At the end of this month, we have our MPI baptism and barbecue. Come on. August 30th at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. So each service, we will be having baptisms for all of the people that are committing their lives to the Lord that have come new to the church, are getting discipled. We have baptisms for you at every service, and we're going to have a barbecue. So we will have food. It's going to be outside. Um, the food will be outside, but it's just going to be such an awesome time. So please invite your family, invite your friends, encourage those that have been coming to the church regularly at Leaders, and we just want to make this a powerful, powerful time. So we are excited. We also want to let you guys know that we have Spanish translation available. So if you, if you have any friends or family that are coming that only speak Spanish, anybody that you're inviting, please let them know that that is available. You can see Pastor Berto for any more information on that. And also we have t-shirts in of all kinds of sizes and colors and styles. So please see Pastor Griselda. Sign in the back if you want a t-shirt. You can pay for it back there. Get it today on the spot so we have more sizes available for you guys to get what you want metro price chicago for jesus whatever it is our vision here is very simple it's loving god loving people look to your neighbor say love god look to your other neighbor say love people those are the two greatest commandments that jesus gave to us and we want to strive to live like that with all of our heart our discipleship strategy here is threefold it's connect mentor and send those are three steps our first step is connect we want to connect you to the church connect you to jesus through our life groups. somebody say life groups on the back of your handout we have a list of life groups that are available for you and your family to choose to be a part of to connect with and we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening just this week on tuesday we have the resistance elevate life group come on 11 to 18 years old meeting here at the church at 6 p.m Wednesday, we have the Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. meeting at the church. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids as well. That's every week. Infant to 11 years old, 6.30. Bring them at the church here. You could drop them off. Enjoy some free time. That is when we have our Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club happening every week for our children. That's where they have their life group. This is where they get discipled. It's a powerful time for our children. Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies that meet every single week, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. Come on, clap it up. I know we got some excited people for that. If you are an adult, that's where you want to be on a Friday night. Get connected, build some lasting friendships, and you will really feel the family uh, atmosphere of the church. And every week on Saturdays, we have evangelism. All ages are welcome. 5 p.m. If you've never gone street witnessing, you have got to do it. We want to encourage you to do it. You will get so much closer to God. You'll feel the heart of God for the lost. And it's just a powerful time that we have on the streets. And then we want to mentor you. Look to your neighbor. Say, be mentored. We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book. It's called Welcome to Your New Life. 
and we can do this at your pace. We can do this according to your schedule. It's just an awesome time where our leaders get to walk through journey with you, okay? Through this journey we call life and really teach you how to live for God. And then when you graduate the 101, you get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. And this is our leadership training class where we equip you to be a leader in the church, a leader in your life, uh, in your jobs, wherever you are. And then we want to send you out to keep winning souls for the Lord. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 churches around the world. If you believe we can do that, by God's grace, say amen. And we believe we are to do it together. So look to your neighbor, say you're a part of that number. 100,000 may seem like a lot, but to the Lord, it's doable. We have almost 9 million people in the city. We're asking the Lord for 100,000. We believe that he's going to do it because we want all men to go to heaven. And it's our responsibility to take them and bring them with us. At this time, we're going to learn about stewardship, a lesson on tithes and offerings from the Disciples Giving Book. Who's excited to learn about stewardship this morning? Come on. We are on section three, lesson three. Stewards work hard at whatever they do. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24. Those are the two verses that we will be reading. You could also follow along on the screen. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So for the next about 10 weeks or so, it's going to be all about stewardship. God has given us things to manage, and we are to do it with his help. He has to find us trustworthy. Let's read in Colossians. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Everything that you do in the church and outside of the church is unto God. Here are the main points that we can get from that verse, from those two verses. Number one. Whatever you do, stewards of Christ are not just hard workers in spiritual things, but in whatever they do. Say, whatever I do. We should work overtime with our families, our jobs, community, friends, and church. People around us should say we are the hardest working and most passionate people they know because we represent the Lord. And in everything that we do, we do it with the energy of Christ to bring him glory. That is what makes us successful. That is what makes us do everything in excellence when we choose to do everything in our life for the Lord. Number two, working hard for the Lord. In everything we do, we should ask the question, is God pleased with my work? Ultimately, God is our judge, and he rewards us when, our, when we do things with all of our heart. So no shortcuts or compromises. Somebody say, no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts with the Lord. We want to do it in excellence. We want to bring him glory, and that is the question we must ask ourselves. Is God pleased with everything that we're doing? Number three, receiving an inheritance. Your job might be able to help you with your retirement savings account when you work hard, but only God can give you an everlasting inheritance in his eternal kingdom. So don't just focus on today's benefits of hard work, but on God's rewards. We have to be kingdom-minded. We have to be eternally focused. Everything that we do on earth is building up our bank account in heaven so we receive blessings because eternity is the only thing that will be forever and ever and ever. This life that we live on this earth is short. It is temporary. We must think of ourselves living for eternity to please God. And if we are not right with God, we don't have a bank account in heaven. We will not receive blessings on that day. Here's a summary. Serve Christ by working hard with all your heart in all that you do. Let's apply this. 
Be, number one, be faithful in your tithes and offerings. Tithe is a 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithe. Number two, work hard and be passionate about things you do in life. And number three, if you should stumble, be quick to repent and return to the ethic of heaven, to the work ethic of heaven. Let's recite this confession over our lives together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If that is what you desire, please stand with me on your feet this morning as we prepare to give God our best, our very, very best, our tithes and offerings. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of our total income and an offering is anything above that, which we designate towards missions and building. I want to just give you a quick reminder on your envelope. Please be specific about the amount that you want to go towards each category. And currently, we are in a building fund raising monies for our Metro Praise International Lit Up sign to go over the building on the front. Thank you for joining with us, partnering with us. We are so thankful for your generosity. We are doing it together. God is moving, and we're just going to see great things in Chicago, our nations, and throughout the world. We also have two convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church through your credit card and debit cards. One is online with our easy-to-use website, and the other is in the back. You can see myself or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, we would love to help you. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy to our lives. We know generosity because you, you exemplify it. You gave us your son. We want to give you glory, God, in all that we do. I pray that we would be faithful stewards in our lives with everything that you've given us and entrusted us with. Right now, we give you our tithe. We give you the offering, oh God. Bless it. Multiply it. Let we see your kingdom come to this earth. I pray for your blessing and prosperity in favor of your your people on their jobs bring increases and raises and open doors for employment oh god so that we could be blessed to be a blessing in the mighty name of jesus i pray and everybody said amen and amen please come forward as you give this morning and thank you for your generosity
We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We're all about that grace, about that grace. Come on, sing it and bop your shoulders. All about that grace, about that grace, no devil. Come on, bop your shoulders. Come on, grace, no devil. We all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. Come on, don't be shy. Come on, one more time, say it's all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. It's all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. All about that grace, about that grace, no devil. All about that grace, no devil. All about that grace, about that grace. Woo! Give it up for Jesus and grace. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I told you this would be a wind tunnel next time you guys came, so I hope you like our new fans that we got here. We got two more new ones in, in the side sections. If you get hot, come sit next to these fans or stand up in the back. We're not going to think it's strange. I am just so excited that you're here today. I got two guests that have come via New Orleans, the church that I planted down there, and now they're living in Little Rock, Arkansas. Let's give it up for Mina and her daughter, Feltonisha. Good to have you guys here. Good to have them here. God is so good. You know, God is moving in this church. We are blessed to be a blessing, and so we believe in relationships. So that relationship has been going on now for 18 years. So before I was ever a pastor here in Chicago, I worked in New Orleans, and so they came up to visit us. If you're in Ephesians chapter 2, somebody say, I'm there. Thank you. I was already looking at the weather. Next week, it's going to be 79. So I know a lot of us were complaining about the heat. You know, it's 90. But think about this. Next week, it's 79. A couple weeks after that, it could be snowing. So let us enjoy summer, Chicagoans, while we have it, right? Do something fun in this weather because you know it could like be snowing in September. Before you know it, snow will be here. Ephesians chapter 2 is the sermon series scripture. It's been a summer of grace. Everybody say grace. Thank you. A whole summer of grace. This is the eighth message in the series. If you have missed them, you can go to our website, mpichurch.org. The website's always there on the back wall if you forget it. And we are going through this scripture every week as that kind of summary scripture where we get all the meaning for the things we've been going through. So this is like a mountaintop scripture. This is the uh, creme de la creme. This encapsulates everything we've been talking about. And my encouragement is that if you can't go on your own back through all those messages, at least read the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. Everybody say Ephesians. Thank you. Read it on your own. Start in chapter one, go through chapter six, and you will see so much grace there and a lot of where I've been getting my messages from. And as a matter of fact, I was even considering preaching the whole book of Ephesians verse by verse. Now, if you don't like to read, there's an audio Bible that you can listen to. Would anybody prefer to listen to the audio Bible? Does anybody like that? Well, they have apps on your phones for that, so check that out. They're giving me water. They're hearing my voice. I've been fighting a cold since Thursday, so will you stretch your hands towards me and say, be healed in Jesus' name. I receive it, and if my voice changes while I'm here, you're going to witness a miracle. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? But I came to work. How many go to work sometimes when you, you're a little sick? You got to go to work. Amen? And this is a good day to be at work for Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Today's message is going to be a part 2. So last week we talked about the power of grace. We had seven points. We got the three. Today we're going to hit the other four. Everybody say, the power of grace. Come on, somebody say, I've got the power. Woo! Can't stop me from singing. 
I'll try. I'll do my best. Look at this passage right here. Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus. He says these profound words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. For it is by grace, thank you, you have been saved. Through what? Faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Everybody say masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say you're God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Everybody say good works. Thank you, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here it is, really simple. We've been saved by grace through faith because of Jesus. We've been saved by grace through faith because of Jesus. So everybody say this with me. I'm saved by grace through faith because of Jesus. Now what Jesus wants you to do now that you're saved is good works. And that's what we've been talking about this month and the month prior is the work of being a Christian. What do we do now that we've been changed? The Bible says that he called disciples and uh, he commanded them all of these things to do. And then at the end of his life, he brought them to himself, uh, or before he went to heaven rather, at the end of his ministry, he brought all of his disciples to himself and he said, now guys, Everything that I've taught you, I want you to teach others. Go out into all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I'm with you always until the end of the age. (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, that's weird. I just choked on something because I got to, anyways, it's going to be like that today. Um, So this is God's way of humbling me and telling me that I need his grace, I guess. But I want to be healed too by grace. Amen. So check this out. When the disciples were sent out 2,000 years ago, that started the end times. Everybody say the end times. Now here we are 2,000 years later, and it's scary. Like we're like in the last moments of the last day of the last uh, days, the last hour. Are you listening to me? Like the last moment of the last hour of the last day. We're in the end times. And so we're seeing these things happening, like the acceptance of sin on a national level. You know, the, the identification of people saying, I'm going to do this no matter what the Bible says. And if you've noticed that there's more hostility towards Christians in America than ever before. The, the, the idea of you can, uh, you know, approve, the, the idea is not just tolerate me, it's celebrate me. And if we're not celebrating people in their sins, then they persecute us. Have you noticed that? See, it used to just be, let's just agree to disagree. But now it's like, no, 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 no. That's not good enough for us. Now you can't just agree to disagree, tolerate. Now you've got to celebrate. And if you don't celebrate me, if you don't celebrate my sin, then we're going we're gonna to take you to court. We're going to mess with you Christians, you see. And it's not just that, because while, while America's having a secularization of its morals, Islam in the Middle East is rising up and beheading us. How many have seen some of those videos of uh, the, the Muslims beheading Christians? And then not only that, not only is there secularization in America and the Islamic faith that's persecuting Christians, but you see a rise right now of false religions, a lot of spirituality. So I was talking with the woman, and she said, I don't really go to church, but I'm spiritual. Everybody go spiritual. And I'm like, I don't know what that means because if you're not hanging out with Jesus, you're hanging out with demons. So you may be spiritual, but you might be demon-possessed. But anyways, so be careful with that. But she's like, oh, yeah, I like yoga and all these other things. And I'm like, okay, well, let me just tell you about this. 
this will lead you to hell. And it sounds mean, right? Like, oh, I'm going to hell. Like, thanks, Pastor, for telling me that. But, like, no, if, like, if, you, if, you, were, if you were about ready to jump out of a plane and you didn't have a parachute, and I was like, you don't have a parachute on, you're going to die. Is that a bad thing? You'd be like, oh, thank you for telling me I need a parachute before I jump out of this plane. You know, and it's like you want, you want to tell people, like, hey, there's a place called hell. God set up the rules, and when we don't listen, that's where we go. But there's this idea that it's better to believe something false as long as it's nice than to believe something that's true that appears to be mean. Think about that. People are like, well, because you show them scriptures, you know, and because a lot of people believe a lot of false things right now. And you show them scripture, they go, oh, I don't believe that. You know, God wouldn't judge somebody, you know, because God loves everybody. And so in their mind, if you put the priority of being a Christian nice comes before being biblical. It's like we got to be nice first. Nice is the most important thing we got to do is be nice. Then we follow the Bible. But how many know Christians, the first thing is the Bible? The Bible comes first, amen? So think of these three things. You can just write them down. Secularization, Islam, and false beliefs. Now go back to this scripture and think about this. For by grace you have been saved. When we say to the African-American community that, I am a gringo. Can I speak on behalf of gringos today, the white guy? Can I speak on behalf of the white guy? When I, when I say to them, forgive me for slavery, which by the way, which by the way, my people were in Italy during the time of slavery and Poland. We were on farms, okay? So I wasn't there with Kuta Kinte. Let's just keep it real just for a minute. I just got to keep it real. Is that okay if I keep it real, Mina? Mina, can I keep it real? All right, because they might think I'm a little crazy, but you remember me in New Orleans, right? Okay. So I wasn't there with Kuta Kinte, but because I represent that mindset as a white person, I want to apologize, right? I want to apologize. But at the same time, I want to say to the African-American community, if you hate me because of my skin and you hate me because of this, you've got to apologize to me as well. You see, so grace, when we look at a scripture like this in our social problems, not, as, not only does grace fix spiritual problems, but it fixes social problems. So we need to come together and say, I forgive you. Do you forgive me? Right? So there's got to be police officers too. Now, not every police officer is bad, but maybe police officers need to say, forgive us for giving you all the wrong impression. Forgive us. And by the way, if you've ever been in the hood, there needs to be some apologies to police officers too, right? Oh, y'all getting quiet. Mina, can I give you a mic so you can say amen? Because they don't think, they, they don't know about me. Been in nine projects. Come on, baby girl. The Fisher projects, the Collier projects, the Malfamine projects, the Mary Poppins projects. That's all we did in New Orleans, baby, was projects. And I love projects. But listen to me. When I came into the neighborhood, I wasn't greeted by smiles and, hello, pastor, we love you. We're so glad you're here. I was greeted by drug dealers and pimps. Hello. So there are some bad neighborhoods, and it may not just be a black thing. It could be a white thing. It could be a Latino thing. But I'm just talking culturally about grace. Can I talk about it? So that means some of the drug dealers, some of the pimps, some of the people in the projects need to go to the police officers and say, forgive us for what we've done to our own community, for the impression that we've given you about how we treat our own people. Hello. And it can be Latino. I'll just step on everybody's toesy-woesies today. Not everybody's an illegal immigrant. Hello, somebody. A lot of Latinos came the hard way, did it the right way. But I got Latinos up in here that are just as conservative as you can be. And I'll point them out to you if you don't like them, because that's Ishmael. And a lot more like him that said, hey, come here legally. 
And if you don't come here legally, don't go to our downtown embassy waving your flag saying, give me an American citizenship. Is is that not what you say? Because when you came to Mexico, you still say, I'm a Mexican-American, but I'm going to wave the American flag. You see? So if we got a problem with immigration, then illegal immigrants need to say, sorry if we appear like we're trying to take over and not appreciate your values. And then the... People handling immigration need to say, we apologize if we're showing you that we don't appreciate what you do for us. You see, grace, spiritually, grace, socially makes you deal with problems. You can't hide your problems and expect God's grace to cover them. You see, for by grace you have been saved. That presupposes you were lost as a goose in a hailstorm. That presupposes that you were drowning and you needed a hand up. So what have you been saved from? Have you been saved from secularization? Have you been saved from Islam? Have you been saved from false beliefs? Socially, have you been saved from an elitist attitude, racism? Have you been saved from oppression? You see, grace should save every part of you. And that's what brings us together. We may not agree politically. We may not agree on all the issues of our day, but we can agree upon those things. We can agree that racism needs to stop. We need to agree upon that. We need to agree that oppression of illegal immigrants needs to stop and illegal immigrants breaking the laws needs to stop. Hello, somebody. Hello. If you don't think it needs to stop, then when Chancho breaks into your house, then just let him be. Hello? But I lived in an all-Latino neighborhood in Humboldt Park. I know how it is, baby. I bought my first shotgun because of Latino gangs right in front of my house. I had a Latino gang throw a brick at my car. I mean, not my car, the car I was in, sorry. Leave a dent in it. Now, does that mean I'm going to stereotype every Latino as a gangbanger coming here illegally, committing crimes and being an idiot like Donald Trump? No. But I'll tell you what, you commit a crime in this country and you don't have a citizenship here, I'll be the first one to put you back over where you came from. Yeah, I don't care if you came from Poland. I don't care if you look like me. I don't, it don't matter to me. This is our country. We have rules. You follow the rules or you got to go. Now, you come to this country and you work in our fields and you get oppressed. I will go to that, I will go to that farmer, hello, in Texas, and I'll kick his behind too. Because I'll say, you're bringing all these illegals here and you're paying them $3 an hour, you'll go to hell. Because the Bible talks about you in the book of James and says you oppress people to make more money. Hello, now I got Latino people saying amen. Y'all could have said amen the first time too. I'll tell you what, I also believe this. The white people made the biggest mess and sometimes we need to clean it up. That's why when you look at our church, it's multicultural. Just look around right now. Look how multicultural it is. Because I know a lot of pastors can't break down their own culture. And that's why they stay just one culture. See, I'll break my culture down, but I'll break your down too. Why? Because I'm kingdom culture. I'm not, here to pro- I'm not here to preach white pride. I'm not here to preach white pride. I agree with you. I agree with you. Tear down the Confederate flag. It's, it's, to, me, to me, it's a flag that represents a nation. I mean, a group of people that try to come against the American nation. But if my neighbor has that right to do it, I'm not going to break the law to try to do something right. Are you listening to me? But I don't think it should be in our state capitals. I don't think it should be anywhere around there. See, these are the kinds of things that grace deals with. Grace gets up in your face and saves you from yourself. 
It saves you from white power. It saves you from black power. It saves you from being a Republican, a Democrat, an independent. It saves you. And then it transforms you and makes you like him. Now, at the end of the day, if you and I look different and talk different and we're still living in grace, then we should work together because maybe God is revealing a part of himself to you and a part of himself to me. Hello, somebody. And that's why we need to get along and get together and come into the church and show the world what does it look like. What what does equality look like should be shown in the church. You see, because before we had a White House, we had church houses. Hello? And before the Supreme Court ever set slaves free, it was Christians in the Underground Railroad. Hello, somebody. Martin Luther King Jr. was a what? A reverend. And see, when we get together, the church can change the world. And grace has to be there. So grace says, God saved me from my sins. God saved me from wrong thinking. And God can save you. Amen? You all still like me? Is that okay? I went to preaching a little bit. Let's get into the message. Everybody say that was the introduction. Every week I try to give you something new about the the passage there. That's what has stuck out to me in this culture because I'm just like... God, we need your grace in this culture. Police officers need grace. The hood needs grace. The immigrants need grace. Those working in immigration, y'all get what I'm saying? Everybody up in this thug dizzle needs grace. Amen. Oh, bless him. Here's the definition of grace. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor. It's God's help and enablement made available through Jesus Christ. How many need the help of God? Amen. And it's given to believers by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that makes it real in our lives. Because of God's grace, we can experience his mercy, forgiveness, and his power. Everybody say power. And why does God want to give us power? So we can just be rich? I do want us to prosper. If you had a choice between being poor and having some money, what would you want to have? You want to have some money. And if you just want to stay poor, what do we always say? Just give away your money to the church. Amen. I'm so humble, Pastor. I just want to stay, stay poor. Okay, work hard, then give it to the church, and you can stay poor if you want. But how many, if you had a choice between poor and rich, you'd like to be rich? How many t- going to work tomorrow, if you had a choice, you would like to get a promotion, a raise? But is that the only thing God gives us power for? No, he not only gives us power to do those kinds of things, he gives us power to be good mothers, good fathers, good sons and daughters, husbands and wives. Remember we talked about that last week? Amen. And then here's what I want to reemphasize today as we get into it this week. It's his divine influence. So what is grace? His divine influence empowering us to live an amazing life. How many want to live an amazing life? Will you go to John 10, 10 with me, please? Oh, Jesus, help us. Thank you, Lord, for this fan. Thank you, Jesus. I know some of you are hot in the church. I am so sorry. I'm going to do something about that. We're going to get ceiling fans. We're going to put in six. Where's Carlos? Are we going to put in six? We're going to put in six. Let's give it up for Carlos. Man, I love this brother. You see, Carlos, what I love so much about him is, see, we don't ask for anything for free. We pay for everything. You know what I'm saying? Anybody does anything, we're going to pay for it. I don't want to be known as a cheap pastor. But what I love is when people use their gifts to help the church, you know. So I was like, Armando Carlos, what do we owe you to put in these fans? And he said, I'll do it for free. Isn't that amazing? Can we just bless them again? Thank you. Thank you. So, of course, 
knowing how Metro does things, we will have the fans put in like right at the beginning of fall when it starts getting cold, okay? So you'll, you will probably have to wait till next year to appreciate those fans, but we'll see. Carlos is going to try to maybe do it this week or next week or something. No pressure, no pressure. Maybe now there'll be some pressure, right? Everybody be like, do it, Armando, do it, por favor, please. Please help us. And if not, somebody would be like, for the niños and niñas, for all the little ones right here, do it for them. Dude, I am so hot. Like, literally, I am, like, my legs are sweaty. I don't even want to talk about it because I'll get more hot thinking about it. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have what? Life and have it to the full. See, so God wants us to have life and to the full in our culture, in our marriages, in our jobs, in all that we do. He wants us to have life, fullness of life. He wants you to be at peace in what you're doing. He wants you to be satisfied. You know, sometimes we have dissatisfaction in life, and it can almost seem like on our jobs or in our relationships, we're like a dog chasing our tail, and we can never get success, and we can never get happiness. And you know why that is? It's because we're looking to the wrong things to satisfy us. Be satisfied with God today, and you won't look to the job to be your number one satisfaction. You'll put the kingdom first, and the job will come second, and God will bless you. But if you put these other things before God, like you try to, even noble things, like you say, well, I'm going to put my marriage before God, Pastor. And maybe you wouldn't even say it like that. Maybe you would say it like, I can't come to church today because my wife and I want to go to the park because I need to spend time with her. Maybe that's the way you would say it. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that's not you guys because you're here today, right? Amen. But let's say somebody says it like that, like, oh, you know, I just, I don't need to come to church because I got to go to the park and we got to do this. Now, nothing wrong with vacations, but just hear my heart. What, what you would be saying there is I can fix my marriage by putting God second. You know, some people feel that way, like problems happen in their lives. And what do they do? Like, oh my gosh, I can't go to church. I got too many problems. Now, that may be a problem with the church you're going to because maybe they all judge you, but you need to go to a church that's going to love you through your problems, amen? See, I, I, I like seeing people with problems because I got problems too and God is handling them. But hear my point. If, if you say, I can't, do, I can't do God first because of something, I can't do church because of something, I can't spend time reading my Bible because of something, then what you're doing is you're going to be chasing that success, that satisfaction in that thing, and you'll never get it. You'll never find satisfaction in your marriage until you put your marriage second. You'll never find it in your children until you put your children second. Now, I'm not saying second above anything in this world. I'm saying God is first, and then in this world, they're second. Are you with me? But if you're taking God out of that equation, they would be number one, right? Like if I say other than God, his church, and his kingdom, my family's number one, that's what I would be meaning. But I like to make sure that you understand that, though, because some people think they're being noble and they're saying, oh, my family comes first, family first, and I get that, and I say that, too. But I only mean it in the sense of after God has been established, relationally, my family is first. So my family is first above my friendships, above my job. Are you guys with me? Amen. So let's look at these things that grace is going to do for us. The power of grace filling up our lives. Number one, everybody say eternal life. So God's influences, influence saved us. This is review. Did you save yourself or were you saved? Somebody say, I'm saved. Somebody say, I'm soul saved. See, you are soul saved on the inside. Did you come up with that idea yourself? 
God came after you, right? He knocked at the door of your heart. He sent preachers to you. What was that process called? Grace. Grace. Some of you had problems that led you to Christ. Did anybody? I want to I get a survey, just a survey. Be honest, be honest, be honest. And I do want you to raise your hands. Watch this. We're going to take a survey on whether or not we came to Jesus on a good day or a bad day. Because there's two ways grace works, and I'll show you in just a moment. But I want to know this. Did you come to Jesus on a good day? If you came to Jesus on a good day, what that would mean is, A, you were raised as, it could include this, you were raised as a Christian, as a child, and at some point you just accepted Christ, and it was always known to you about Jesus, and you can't even really put a time on it. Or on a good day would also include that life was great, and that God showed you that it was great because of him, and you knew you had to give your life to him. Does everybody understand good day? A good day coming to Christ would mean either you were raised as a Christian, like my daughter is raised as a Christian. She'll probably never remember a time she wasn't. Now, if she backslides, she'll have to remember coming back to God, but she'll probably never remember a time she wasn't a Christian. Are you guys with me? That's a good day. And I'm talking real Christian, loving Jesus, right? Now, a bad day would probably be really simply to define your life was messed up, jacked up, tore up, and you're just like, oh, God, I need you now. I need you to fix stuff. I need you to save me, okay? Just to let you know what, which, which place I'm raising my hand, I'm on a bad day. I'm like, before I got saved, I'm asking my mom to put me in a mental hospital type of bad day. I'm talking like ODing on drugs, having guns pulled on me a week before, bad day. Okay, I'm going to be on the bad day side. I don't know where you all going to be, but that's why I want to know in this congregation where most of you are at. Can you help me? How many of you would say you came to Jesus on a good day? Okay, look around. That's about, I don't know, a fifth, less than a quarter. How many would say you came to Jesus on a bad day? It was right, right before your breaking point. Okay, amen, amen. How many of you have not come to Jesus? just want to see if I can get anybody to raise their hand. I'm going to start preaching right at you. Get saved today. Today's your day, baby. But think about this. The majority, of us, the majority of us came to Jesus on a bad day. That's what I thought. But before I did it, I wanted to make sure, right? I was assuming, but I didn't want to go on that assumption. So watch this. The good day, most of us did not have that. Most of us already saw our ways falling apart. Most of us saw things falling apart. Now, here's God's grace. He loved you anyway. He loved you anyway. So for us, we should never want to go back to those ways. I just think it's absolutely redonkulous. It's not even ridiculous. It is redonkulous to see Christians, after coming to God on a bad day, go back to their sin. It's like, do you want more bad days? Do you want more vomit or whatever you were eating on that was nasty before? Like my, my pastor friend who committed adultery, he got saved out of having a lot of sex with girls before he got saved. I'm like, you didn't know what that was? Like you forgot what it was like to have sex with multiple women. Are you like, are you dumb? Like did it change since when you used to be in the game? Hello, somebody. Isn't it right even if it's hot if I keep it real? Because I'm like, a pastor committing adultery that used to be a gigolo, in my mind, is an idiot. It's like you should have known. that. What do you think that leads? And for anybody in here, if you feel like committing adultery and you already know what it's like being wild in the world and now you're married and like, well, I'm thinking about my secretary. That is stupidity. 
Don't you know where that ends? Don't you know that ends with booty calls? That ends with random people? That ends with you being in the clinic? I don't even want to ask how many of y'all been into the clinic, but you know I've been into the clinic. I've had to tell my story, and I'm not telling it again. But I, but I have been to the clinic twice. That's where that ends. It's the clinic. It ends at the clinic. You ask yourself, how did I end up at the clinic? And then all I saw in my, it was just, how did I end up here? And all I saw in my mind was like some MTV music video. And I'm like, that's how I ended up here. Alcoholism, drunkenness, same thing. Now I know the world wants to tell us it's like a disease. You know, it's like a disease. No, it's not a sin. Don't go back to it. How many of you have been set free from an addiction? Raise your hand. Come on, I've been set free from smoking, alcoholism, smoking weed, chiefing out, getting high. Man, it's like, is it like I didn't get high, I lived high. Some of y'all can relate to that. Some of you can, but you're going to pretend that you can't. That's all right. But that was my life. But guess what? God saved me. Now, going back to the good, the good day. You know what the good day people can think of? Is that God was so gracious, he kept you from the bad days. Like if my daughter keeps doing what's right, she's six now, she'll be 36 one day, and she can be like, the Lord has kept me. You know, from all evil. I'm trying to sing a song, but it's really not cool. But I am trying to sing. Were, were we not listening to it, Mina? Mina, what are you doing? Can I, can I get your attention? I'm just kidding. Were we not singing that song on the way here? The Lord has kept me from all evil. That's what I want my daughter to say. So God's grace on bad days and good days saves us. Number two, it strengthens us to fight against condemnation. Have you ever felt like after being a Christian, you weren't a good enough Christian to be a Christian, so you might just want to quit? Oh, come on. Y'all getting quiet on me. I know so many of you have dealt. I've dealt with that. Think about the devil and how he lies to us. Before you could ever be a Christian, like the devil doesn't even want you to think about it. Like God, who's God? Let's not even think about God. Let's just go to the clubs. Let's just go out with our friends, make money, get an education, do whatever. The devil wants you to think God doesn't even exist. But the moment you become a Christian, now he's the expert on what Christianity is. Now he's going to tell you how many ways you have messed it up. You can never be it. Now look at God. He hates you. And it's like, devil, get your story straight. Over here, you told me there wasn't a God. Now I'm over here. Now you're trying to tell me I let down God. You see how the devil's such a liar? Think about that seriously. When you're lost, he's trying to tell you there's no God, there's no Jesus. Don't pay attention to any of those rules. Then the moment you commit your life to Jesus, he's like, oh, God's mad at you now. You broke one of those rules. You lusted in your heart. You got angry. You still get tempted. You're not good enough for God. How come you not tell me those lies now? The ones you told me back then. Oh, because he knows it's not going to work. You see, if you were an adversary to yourself, how would you make yourself fall? Now think about what the devil's doing to us. He's watched us. He doesn't know everything, but what he does is he studies our patterns. He hunts us. He stalks us, the Bible says, like a roaring lion. And so he watches your pattern, and he watches your countenance. And so when he sees that you're discouraged because of this thing that you did, he then says, now look at you. He comes right on side, right alongside of your own guilt. And he says, now look at you. You failed God. You're not good enough to be a Christian. Now, if you think you deal with that, how much more do you think I deal with that as a pastor? Oh, now you're going to stand in front of all those people? You messed up. 
There's been times that my wife and I have gotten into fights, and the devil has tried to tell me, you're not a pastor anymore. You can't preach anybody. Look at the mistake you've made. You see, God came to forgive us and to save us at our worst, not our best. Therefore, everything we do now, we know God can handle. Even if I messed up, now I know God can handle it. Now, of course, it's one thing for me to say like, oh, my wife and I had a fight and the devil came to condemn me, but praise God, I'm preaching. But it would be another thing like my wife and I had a fight, I slapped her, and now I'm back to preaching. How many think it would be like, Pastor, maybe you should stop preaching for a minute? If I slap my wife, I'm going to be like, maybe you should take a break. Maybe pass the mic to somebody else for a little while. Let them talk to us. Right? So there are things in the Bible that disqualify pastors from being a pastor. So whenever I tell you my mistakes, you can understand they're in a framework. I'm not trying to say I'm better than you. I'm just saying they're in a framework so I can be trusted. So I'm not going to be stealing. I'm not going to be cheating on my wife. I'm not going to be... Um, getting out, uh, acting in rage, and all of these can found, be found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Can I hear an amen? But look at what God does for us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. We don't have to turn there because this is just review. Everybody say the review is for you. We need to be reminded that when we feel condemned as Christians, the devil's a liar. Grace is still there. So you need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. He loved me as a sinner. He loves me as a saint. He loves me when I do good. He loves me even when I do bad. He's not giving up on me. Amen. Third thing, operating God's gifts. How many got some gifts and talents the Lord's given you? Amen. And you're going to use those by God's grace. So oftentimes we take God's talents and we use them for ourselves. So imagine if I took your checkbook and then I took Billy out for lunch today, Billy would think I was awesome, wouldn't he? Especially like we go to Red Lobster and we're just making it rain. We're getting appetizers. We're getting everything. Billy's like, you're the best pastor in the world. So Billy and I are cool. But then you're going to be like, where's my money? And then I'm going to be like, well, I took it. But watch, I did something good with it. So you must be all right with me stealing it from you. Now, would you be okay with me stealing something from you? Even if I did something good with it? Would you be like, well, that's, that's okay. No, you wouldn't. You'd be upset. We're made in the image of God. Remember, conscience comes from God. Your inward right and wrong meter comes from God. So now watch. God gives us talents, abilities, and what do many people do? Steal it from God and then try to do good things. And then they may even do some good things. Like a doctor right now, he may be at the lake. Like I just wish we could just have a webcam and just look at the lake right now. There's like some, just put it up, put a lakefront yacht club or something. I just, I just see this guy like with a cigar and a captain's hat on and he's at the lake today and he's like, I don't need God. I'm a self-made millionaire. Here I am. Right? That's how, you know, he's not going to say those words, but that's how he thinks. Why do I need to come to church today? But what did he do? He stole God's abilities. He stole God's talents. He's might have helped people in the medical field. He's might have done a lot of great things. But did he give God the credit? Did he give God the glory? Did he ask God what he should do with his talents? Yeah, you know, right down here, Steve. Steve and Michelle. There's Steve. That's so Steve and Michelle. This is, this is like the girl that was telling me she was spiritual. I'm so spiritual. And I'm married to Steve, and Steve and I are going on the boat this weekend, and we're going to have so much fun. That's what I would say to Steve. I would say, Steve, you're a, you're a self-made mess. Oh, but look at me. 
Look at them. This is Bob and Janet here. We're going to go rock our wind-sailing boat. We're going to have so much fun. I don't need church today. This is my church. Okay? So there's, there's Bob and Janet. Now, the idea is here. The idea is we're awesome. But they have stolen God's resources. They have stolen God's talents. And on judgment day, they're going to be held accountable. So what do we do here in church? We use our talents by God's grace for his glory. We serve each other. Even on our jobs, we serve each other. I just, I just want to say this. Wherever you go, you can use the grace of God. You don't just have to use it in church. And they'd be like, well, you know, because Carlos, he's like, by the grace of God, I'm putting in these fans. He doesn't have to walk outside the building and go, whoop, there goes the grace of God. I'll come get it when I come back to church. No, this week as he's helping others, he can use the grace of God. He can smile. He can be kind. He can go the extra mile. How many of you like it when, when people go the extra mile for you? How many people don't like when people are cheap with you? You don't like it, right? So we need to be this way with others, gracious and kind. Are you ready for the message today? Somebody say, bring it. Here it is, these last four things. We can work hard by the grace of God. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I'll go through these quickly. As a matter of fact, Jason, would you come to the keyboards, please? How many are glad you came to church this morning? Amen. I know it's a little hot, but are you glad you're here? I hope that we're all gaining something from the summer of grace And if I offended you anyway with my cultural distinctives, Pastor Jared would love to handle that for you. <laughs> so email me at jared at mpichurch.org. There's like a truth in there, isn't there? There's like, that's, that's really where it would go anyway. If it came to me, it would go right to Jared's desk. Here we go. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. People should be able to see you working hard. And then you could say, it's the grace of God. He gave me my mind. He gave me this ability. I acknowledge that. And I am motivated by that. I want to be a great father. I want to be a great pastor. I want to be a great husband. But there's a lot of work I have to do, isn't there? I've got to work hard, so I'm relying upon the grace of God. Does it say, by the grace of God, I become lazy and just, quote, unquote, pray all day? No, it says, by the grace of God, I work hard. Does anybody want to get up tomorrow morning and work hard? Amen. Anybody want to go and finish this week accomplishing their, their tasks, their goals? How many of you got some big goals on your job with your company? How many want to accomplish things? The grace of God is there to empower you. Amen? Let's go to that next one. Number five, the grace of God is there to help you reach people. 2 Corinthians 4.15, I want you to learn just this little rhyme. Reach one to teach one to reach one. Everybody say this with me. Reach one to teach one to reach one. See, I want to reach one, and then I want a teacher to reach another one. 
I reach one to teach one to reach one. Isn't that when neighborhoods get along and when we do that? If I just reach out to my neighbor and my neighbor reaches out to their neighbor, aren't we done with all the drama? Hello? If gangbangers reach out in their own community and put just as much time and effort as they've been to committing crimes to helping the young people, doesn't that eliminate even the need for a police officer there? Hello, somebody. We have a gang ministry that goes out every Thursday night. It's tight, but it's right, baby. Come on. How about every greedy politician, every greedy business owner? If they just paid their people a fair wage and took care of the people that they had, we wouldn't have this busted up economy, this dropping out housing market. Hello? Does anybody remember after World War II, the baby boomer generation? It was because that's when we paid fair wages. People were working, making fair wages. You could work at the factory and own a house. Do y'all know your history? You could work at the factory and own a house. See, but then corrupt capitalism took over. See, we need to get back to what the Bible said. We got to reach one. Look at what it says. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. See, if I was a boss, I would want my people to praise God that they work at this company. I wouldn't want my employees calling out saying I'm being oppressed. Are you a manager? Are you a leader on your job? If you are, are the people under you giving God thanks for what you're doing for their benefit? Those of you who are parents, can I get a what what from the parents? Come on. Are your children praising God for you? Are they saying, I'm so thankful that you're my mom, that you're my dad? You know, Nancy and I, that's probably one of the most, like, just amazing compliments that our children give us. They say to us all the time, I'm so happy you're my mom. I'm so happy you're my dad. Matter of fact, we gotta, I got to have you come tell the story. Let's give it up for Nancy Boobster Boo as she comes. Will you say what Hannah said about me marrying you, however she said that? I think it was last Sunday, actually. We were uh, hanging out. It was two Sundays ago. We were hanging out in the backyard, just kind of chillaxing after a long day. And Joe was setting up the water slide for them. And then, and then she kind of just comes over at me and whispers. She's like, you picked the right guy. Ooh, made me cry. Love it. Amen. See, isn't that how it should be? And isn't that why people are coming to America? They're picking the right country in their mind. They're picking a place of freedom. See, we need to be the right country. We need to be the right job. We need to be the right employer. We need to be the right employee. We need to be the right parents so that the people in our lives thank God that we're there. Amen? And let's keep on going. How about living a generous life? Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 33. The grace of God will make you generous. How many love generosity? How many right now can think of a time when somebody was generous to you and it made a difference in your life? I know I can. I know I can. I just mentioned one. Carlos, I was thinking in my mind, at least a G, if not more, to pay somebody to come in and put in fans. He was generous. Amen? Generous. When was the last time somebody was generous with you? Maybe on your job. Maybe they were generous with you. We have a, a young man in this place. He's been working so hard as an engineer, but he has never even been to school. And yet they keep promoting him. And it's because he's working hard and God is blessing him. See, generosity can even come from the world. The Bible says that it will come pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men pour into your lap? Men shall pour into your lap. There are people around you that will pour it into your lap. They want to bless you. 
I know it looks right, like right now nobody in this world want to bless you, but there are people looking for opportunities to bless you. They do. You know why? Because they see the benefit in giving you those things. They see the benefit. That waitress, she's looking for a good customer today because she's been working since last night. You go there this afternoon, she'll give you them extra rolls because she just wants somebody to be nice, and you're being nice. Hello. Your boss has got a lot of responsibility. He wants to give more responsibility. So he's looking for somebody. Hello? He wants to give somebody that raise. I See, in the church, I know both sides. I have people come to me and say, oh, my boss, this, and I get to hear employee status, you know, and employee problems. And then I got owners in the church, managers in the church. I can't find nobody. These people come. They don't want to work. Hello? You see, both, both of us need to understand that we're there for a reason. And God wants the grace of God to help us reach out and touch lives. Can I get an amen? Here's the last one. Can I get an amen for the last one? Amen. And here's the best one. And you know what? The Lord just has to bless me because I just, I imagined myself preaching silly when I got to this one. But I got a second service to go to and I can hardly talk. Even thinking about it made me cough. <clears throat> but this one is so powerful. Go quickly. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You have the power for every hour of your needs. The last one is the one that fills up every other area of your life. Any other problem you face in life, God's grace is there. I wish I could just pinch it for somebody right now. I wish I could just hand this mic. Do you feel like preaching, Ishmael? Could you preach it for me? Come on up here. I'm going to have you try. Band, come on. I think you and I can pull this off. This is what I want you to do. I want you to come up with a little catchy rhythm. Power for your hour of need. Just think of a little catchy rhythm, and we're going to shout it out all cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll pretend we planned this before service. Look at what Paul said. But he said to me, my what? My what? Come on, shout it out. My grace is sufficient for you. My what? Power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Think of these seven things that God does for you. Through his grace, gives you the power for eternal life. Gives you the power to strengthen your heart from condemnation. The power to operate in the talents and gifts he's given you. The power to work hard and to prosper. The power, come on somebody, to reach out and touch lives. The power to live a generous life. We didn't have time to get to Acts, but you know what it's about. Helping people in need. And the power to overcome every need in the hour of your weakness. Every time you and I feel weak, we can say, God, I need your grace. Has anybody here ever been around old timers in the church? And they say, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here today. You ever hear anybody talk like that? That's how you and I should talk. If it wasn't for his grace, you don't know where I would be. If it wasn't for God's grace, you don't know where my marriage would be. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I can't even imagine what my children would be like right now. I can't even embarrass my, my sister, but I got to keep it real. Her brother Sam got 11 kids. I might have 12 if it wasn't for the grace of God. But Sam's taking care of his kids, right? Otherwise, I'm going to come take care of Sam. You tell him I called him out. Now watch. Every one of us have a need in this room right now. 
Is grace big enough to meet your need? Is this your hour of power? It's up to you. I can't make, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make him sing. But I can't make Ishmael give you the power for your hour of need. Only the grace of God can get in. How many believe this is your hour of power? Stand up to your feet. Would you bless the Lord today? Would you bless him like you're not hot? Would you bless him like you're not tired? Come on. There is power for you in your hour of need. There is power for you in your hour of need. There is power for you in your hour of need. Just lift up your hands and receive. There is power for you in the hour of need. There is power for you in your hour of need. Just lift up your hands right now and receive His grace. Lift up your hands right now and look upon His face. There is power. There is power. There is power. There is power. Come on, one more time. There is power. There is power. There is power. There is power. There is power for you. I love you so much. There was power for you to make that up on the spot. Can I get our altar workers to come, please? There is power for you in your hour of need. If we'll just lift up our hands, we can receive. That's a good little rhythm, is it not? Just think about what he came up with. There is power for you in your hour of need. Just lift up your hands and receive. That is amazing. We're going to end today with some altar workers that would love to pray for you to have that power. But we want to encourage you to know that it's not us. There's nothing in our hands up our sleeves. We're just tapping into God's power. We're tapping into what God is doing. And you know the cool thing about it is, have you ever needed a jump start with your car? Someone else had to have the power, right? The good thing is, God can always jump start you. He always can. If you're discouraged today in any of those areas, don't walk out of here thinking you can't change or God can't do it in you. He wants to jump start your faith right now. Do you need your marriage jump started? Let him jump start it. Your faith, your love, your kindness. Some of you want to be kind. Boom. Let God jumpstart a good attitude. How many need a good attitude? Husbands, nudge your wives. Come on. I know I need a good attitude. How many young people you need to be jumpstarted to fight peer pressure? In your hour of need, raise up your hands and surrender to God and you will receive. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that everything we need is in your hands. Everything we need to have power to accomplish in this life. May we leave out of here with that power. And if anyone needs prayer, may they come up and receive it now. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, can I get an amen? Come on, church. Would you encourage your neighbor by saying amen? Come on, clap for Jesus now. All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Sing a song, brother, as they go, please. Your grace finds There's a good one. Slap your neighbor high five and say, there's power in Christ as you go out if you can. Power. Come on up if you need prayer.
from the creation to the cross. We're up here if you need prayer, enjoy your week. There from the cross into eternity, your grace finds me. Yes, your grace finds me. There in the darkest night of the soul, there in the sweetest songs of victory, your grace finds me. Yes, your grace finds me. Your great grace, oh, such grace. Your great grace, oh, such grace. From the creation. From the creation to the cross. There from the cross into eternity, your grace finds me. Yes, your grace finds me. There in the darkest night of the soul, there in the sweetest sounds of victory, your grace finds me. Yes, your grace finds me. Your great grace was such grace. Your great grace was such grace. praise. 